what you may be holding, if you will, as theology might actually need to slip into tradition. And maybe what you're holding as tradition actually needs to slip into technique. There, there is good work, there is gospel work, and there is church work. Welcome to Church Media HQ. I am glad that you have joined me this week. My name is Luke Clayton. I am your host. And before we get started, I do hope that you'll take a moment to subscribe wherever you're watching or listening. And if you really want to be awesome, take a moment to share this with another church leader who you think could benefit from our content. I also want to let you know that right now, our Christmas content is officially available. We've got over 80 minutes of Christmas themed video footage. We've got graphics. We have even got print artwork so that you can get banners, invite cards, things like that printed. And this is all available as part of our Christmas media kit. You can access this at churchmediahq.com slash Christmas. That's churchmediahq.com slash Christmas. The best part about these perhaps is that they are one of the few times of year we offer our products and services available for a one-time cost. There's no subscription required. So again, to take advantage of this, head over to churchmediahq.com slash Christmas get your Christmas media kit today at churchmediahq.com slash Christmas. Today's guest is Connor Smith, and Connor serves as a pastor in the city of Paris, California, and he has been a pastor now for several years. So I'm not going to talk too much about the conversation. I'm just going to get right to it. So here is my conversation with Connor Smith. What you may be holding, if you will, as theology might actually need to slip into tradition. And maybe what you're holding as tradition actually needs to slip into technique. So Al Mohler was actually the guy in 2016, I heard preach a message that really was one of the things that started my whole like the, the crack in the glass thing through that pebble at the glass. And it was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And I've never come back from that making a lot of sense. That mm. still makes a lot of sense to me today. He, he had this sermon um, there's a guy named Gavin Ortland who comes from a family of Presbyterians, and he's a Baptist, um, which I think is kind of cool. He's the only Baptist in his family, and he's up in Ojai, California, First Baptist Church of Ojai, and he wrote a book. I think it's he used the term that Al Mohler uses in that sermon. Um, I think it's called theological triage, and um, basically, and, and then the subtitle is something like uh, figuring out which hills to die on, and so Al Mohler describes your positions as a Christian like a house, and or a neighborhood and he's like so listen there's any and, and then within that he's like look with there there is good work there is gospel work and there is church work mm-hmm. he's like so good work is like feeding the homeless or building a house for you know sex trafficking victims or orphans or um i don't know putting out a fire and he's like listen if my fi- if my house is on fire or if my neighbor's house is on fire i don't care who's passing me the bucket like, yeah. I don't care if you're a Presbyterian or a Baptist or non-denominational or Pentecostal or a Muslim or an atheist or an agnostic or somebody that thinks Christians should all be killed. Whatever. I don't care. If you're going to pass me the bucket of water to put the fire out, we can do good work together. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. no need for theological agreement on anything. We exactly. can go eat some hungry kids together. Let's do it. Um, that's good work. Now, gospel work. We got to agree then at least on what the gospel is, uh, what it does, what its ramifications are, all that kind of stuff. But 
I mean, and as many of the early fundamentalists showed, including Jack Hiles and guys like that, and until very recently, Clarence Sexton, just in the last few years, he still had Presbyterians coming and preaching at his church. Yeah. Um, but you used to be able to see that a lot, actually, um, until they just got this very militant, se- hyper-separatistic, I'm not probably, that's probably not the right word, but um, yes, mentality no. of things. And um and it was where, look, if we agree on, I mean, the guys who wrote the fundamentals of the faith that created the independent fundamental Baptist movement were of several different denominations, predominantly though Baptist and Presbyterians. And we have some major differences on some things like baptism and how we do the Lord's Supper and how, uh, how um, our ecclesiology, how the church runs and is governed and all that kind of stuff. And yet I think it's perfectly acceptable to preach at a conference or to hold uh, maybe a, uh, an evangelistic event in the city or something like that with people from different denominations, as long as we agree on the gospel. So he's like, so in that case, um, somebody that's going to do good work with me couldn't probably be in the same house with me, going back to that illustration, but they might be in the, but somebody that's going to do gospel work with me, we might be in the same house, the gospel house, but we're going to be in different rooms. Mm-hmm. Now, in order for us to be in the same room, now we get to church work. We're saying, okay, now we're in the same room together. Well, now we need to agree on a few more things. Mm-hmm. So... How, your view on women in, in pastoral leadership. That's not a gospel issue necessarily, uh, but it is a big issue. And so mm-hmm. if we disagree on that, we probably can't, you know, work at the same church together. Yeah. Um, we probably, if we have a different view on, I'm trying to think of some other examples right off the top of my head. Maybe if your church holds a strong view on maybe what, 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 what spiritual gifts are in operation today, mm-hmm. spirit gifts, um, may, then maybe we couldn't, you know, um, uh, but and so you need to agree on a few more things. And so I think when, we, when we're able to think of things in those categories, it really helps us figure out, is this a hill worth dying on? Baptism, yeah. okay, that's a perfect example, obviously. Yep. Yep. Um, how are we going, or, or how the church is governed? Are we more of an a Presbyterian or Episcopal kind of church government? Are we more of a congregational Baptistic church government? Well, if we disagree on that, probably can't be at the same church. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean we can't pastor churches right next door to each other, have breakfast, encourage one another, pray together, all that other stuff. I just think that's been a very helpful way for me to, think through things and say, do I need to separate from this person? Do I need to, is this a line that I need to draw on the sand? Um, and really what that's caused me to do is actually say with a lot of independent Baptists, there actually are some lines I need to draw on the sand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and areas where, yeah, I, I don't think, you may think you're separating from me, but I just don't think I can have anything to do with you actually. Um, uh, not all of them, but uh, at all. And the independence of them help, helps with that. But um, anyway, yeah, so that would be, Going back to your theology tradition techniques, I think that was a good a way to explain several things that I kind of had had in mind for us to talk about today. Yeah, no, that, that that's good. And and like I said, what what I hope is that even the most skeptic of person out there, if you will, that you realize that uh, we're just trying to get you to think outside of the box a little bit. And sometimes we're afraid to 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 challenge our tradition or even our techniques. And that's what I found is is by and large, there's there's some people in the middle, if you will, that you know they struggle to change their techniques, uh, or they, I'm sorry, they they might struggle to change their tradition, but they're pretty whatever with their techniques. Um, but most people I found are kind of they either kind of put everything on that theological level to where it's like nothing can change. Um, you know that that's typically what I see with those who are resistant, and so. Uh, that would be uh, my argument. And I would say this, and what I've seen is, like I said, I don't know if I said this at the beginning, but um, wherever you're at on it, your theology, 
your true theology, like I said, the core theology, that should never change. Should never, ever change. You should never change it. Your traditions, I would argue that they need to, if they're going to change, you need to obviously have good reason and you need to be respectful and you need to be gradual. Um, because, you know, if, if, you, if somebody, especially if you're in a church or, or somewhere where where maybe your predecessor or, or whatever, they have tr- taught tradition as theology, well, you've got a, a real long road ahead of you. Well, I want to take a break before we finish this part of the conversation by reminding you once again about our Church Media HQ Christmas Media Kit. Now, this again contains over 80 minutes of Christmas theme video footage and the videos have become kind of the flagship feature if you will of what we have to offer see these videos tell five unique stories and I've seen churches take a couple approaches Uh, I've seen churches present one of these video narratives all during one Christmas service I've also seen churches take these and present these over the over a series of worship services throughout the Christmas uh, holiday season and show a different piece of the video every week to keep people coming back to hear the next piece of this is here and see rather the next piece of the story. I've also seen some churches take the footage contained in these videos and use them to craft and create their own stories. Really, no matter how your church chooses to use this video content, I just look forward to seeing your creativity and how your church applies them at your at, in your services and in your worship experience this Christmas season. So you can get your Christmas media kit at churchmediahq.com slash Christmas. That's churchmediahq.com slash Christmas. And these are the only, this is one of the only times that you can actually get resources from Church Media HQ without a subscription. These are available for just, this kit rather is available for just a one-time cost. And you can get that at churchmediahq.com slash Christmas. There's no subscription required. Get your Christmas media kit for a one-time cost at churchmediahq.com slash Christmas. Now let's get back to the conversation. Guys like me, we didn't change, like that didn't happen for me just overnight. Yeah. Like there was a lot that hit right away, but I didn't, it can be easy for me to just be really impatient, like with people in my church and yeah. other, especially older people as well sometimes. And I'm young and I'm energetic and I'm passionate. So I'm like, come on, let's just go, let's do it. And, but I have to realize that God was very patient with me. And there were a lot of people that were probably like, you're a punk and yeah. you don't know what you're talking about. And you're a little bit too excited and you don't have enough life experience to know that, you know, maybe you need to calm down a little bit. Yeah. And so people were patient with me. God was certainly patient with me. And we've got to be willing to, yeah, when it comes, especially those tradition things, I would just simply caveat that with as long as they're traditions that don't hurt people. I've been in churches where the well, tradition yeah. was interracial marriage is a sin mm-hmm. and it, it, it's harmful to children and mm-hmm. all this other stuff. Well, that's a tradition that should probably die like on the first day of your pastorate. Yeah, And exactly. you, need to, you need to be willing to call sin, sin. Yeah. Uh, and that's sinful. And that goes against what Galatians talk, talks about and the way Paul presents the gospel all throughout the New Testament and all these other things. He's torn down those dividing walls, yes. um, those kinds of things. But yeah, well, yes, when it comes to Bible versions, music styles, all that kind of stuff, be patient because somebody was probably patient. Mm-hmm. With you. 
Yeah, and I, I would even go as far to say on that, and yeah, I'm glad you made that clear, that obviously, like, if this is a problem and people are being uh, hurt and abused and for whatever reason because a tradition is in place, well, that, yeah, that's no longer up for debate, you know, so... Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, but yeah, and I would even go as far to say that like if you find that, like I said, you, you tradition, every, every church is honoring tradition to some extent. You know, just the fact that we that pretty much every church out there, unless you're a Seventh-day Adventist, meets on Sunday, that is that is actually tradition. OK, I know we have. We, 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 yeah, okay, it's the day Jesus resurrected or whatever, but you know, you, your church could meet on Saturday or Monday or whatever, and, and you'd be fine. Um, At least that's a tradition, though, that's based in the Bible. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we exactly. see the church actually being telling us the church met on the first day of the week. On the, yes, on the day yeah, the yeah. Like, At least. At least it's that. Yes, it did that, but it's like, well, if you, but if you didn't, you'd, you'd be okay. You'd, you'd whatever. So what? What I'm saying though is that's a tradition we're always going to adhere to, probably from now until you know Jesus does return. And so, um, so anyways, and so there may be a reason where you say, you know what, this tradition is not. It's not really impeding our ability to to reach people and whatever. So it should never change. And then I will also make this clear when we talk about techniques. For those out there that are like, yeah, these young guys, they just like to change for the sake of change. And and believe me, I understand why we can be accused of that because oh, it exists. It totally yeah, exists. Yeah. Because I mean, I will be honest, I find myself getting, you know, it just in operating my own business and, and whatever, getting bored with the way things work systems and just wanting totally. to change them just because, it, you know, and, and honestly, that is that that can be very unhealthy. Uh, that can be that can be very uh, detrimental to you know the growth of your organization or, or whatever. So, um, so I would say even with techniques, I'm not saying oh yeah, you know change that every week and every day. No, uh, but you do need to reevaluate your techniques regularly, and you need to change what isn't working anymore or improve what needs to be improved. That's a great point. And so going back to my context, for example, like when this church was started. It was one little building on a dirt road with pota dirt potato fields all the way around it. Less than 2,000 people lived in the whole city. Wow. Uh, and they were predominantly white family, Mormon families. So doing ministry in that context is going to look a lot different than doing ministry now in a city where now we're the main street in town. Everybody that lives in Paris passes by our church almost every single day. Um, lots of them are homeless. Um we have 80,000 people in our city now. Uh, there are no potato fields left. Um, warehouse industry is, you know, exploding. And uh, there's tons of pollution in the air. 75% Hispanic, uh, another 11%, I think, African-American. Um, and then every whatever else is left in the 100%, there's is just white people and Asian people and Pacific Islanders and Native American and everything else. Like, that's what, that's what it is. Um, very different context of ministry. So techniques are probably going to look different. Not probably, they need to look different Absolutely. if your church is not going to die. And that's something when we look at the great tradition, we see that all the time. We see that yep. all the time. We can go back and look at Augustine and we can look at Gregory of Nazianzus and we can look at uh, Basil and we can look at um, Origen and Tertullian and all these other names of like these really, really old people. And we see them contextualizing ministry to some extent. There were things that didn't change. Uh, they held to the same creeds and the same confessions and the deity of Christ and all this other stuff. Uh, but there were some, there, there was contextual ministry. Um, a lot, a lot of homeless and, and hunger ministry because you didn't have grocery stores and all that kind of stuff like we have today. Um, 
anyway, there was there was contextualization while staying extremely traditional in like their liturgical forms of worship. Yeah, so. yeah. So I, we're just what I'm getting at is I I don't want uh, anybody to get the idea right that, that I would promote change for the sake of change, and that I would say to be reckless in any changes that you make because even if you're shifting a, uh, a, a like I said you're you're getting your obviously like like I said talk about that, going back to that statement of faith well even shifting some of that, that commonly, you know, statement of faith, I can understand why people are going to make that synonymous with theology just because of the nature of what it's associated with. So by having to shift, if you will, some of that, that to your tradition side, that's, that's going to be anything that is in that vein. We haven't changed. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, that's why, and and that's exactly why. That's exactly. And sometimes you have to ask yourself of like, you know, is it worth it? Um, because yeah, I, I would never say, um, and, and I'm sure you would agree with me here. I would never say to, um, you know, uh, do something that's going to intentionally upset people and be reckless, you know? And I mean, like, cause you have, you've seen these young pastors come in and, uh, I mean, just within, you know, weeks trying to change everything they've, they're either they're, they're kicked out quickly or they wind up splitting the church and it gets really messy and so I, I do believe that's just a, and I think a lot of that ties into just uh, leadership principle in general. Like you, you just have to be wise in the way you approach that. So, um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I think this has been uh, really insightful. I hope it helps somebody out there, you know, who, and whether you're transitioning, you know, you're talking about these major things that you have, you've taken your church through in transition, but I would say this applies to, cause a lot of times, what do I see? Well, I see it on a very, if you will, small scale where uh, somebody who is the, um, you know, they're the assistant pastor, the youth pastor, whatever, but because they can turn on a Mac, they are also the graphic designer, the videographer, and what they're trying to transition is convincing, you know, the powers that be to allow them to hire some help or to, you know, outsource their graphics to, you know, a, a freelancer or whatever. And I mean, I even think this this can when you think of this framework, if you will, it can really help you in just making any, any type of, of change, if you will. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. But, um, um by the way, um, I I'm okay. If you put my, my contact information up somewhere. Um, oh, absolutely. If, if anybody does, I mean, they may not want to, I, again, I'm a young pastor. I don't think I've got a whole lot to offer. Sometimes though, people just like to talk. I remember the last time I had people who pastored for longer than, I mean, some almost as long as I've been alive that were calling me and just, it was nice to talk to somebody that was like-minded in some way. And I don't think I necessarily didn't gave them any advice. It was just, it was just kind of nice to, to talk a little bit and talk to somebody that's on the same page. Yeah. And so I like doing that. It's something I really enjoy doing. Uh, well, and so I, I'm happy to have my contact information. Well, I was going to say, that was actually the next thing I was going to say, if, if somebody wanted to connect with you, what is the best way for that to happen? Uh, my email address is probably the easiest, um, but I have a, 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 a link uh, profile now, and um, I'll send that to you so that you can just put it on the screen. Yeah, uh, I can put that in the. Know. I can put that like in the show notes, the description of the. the yeah, year put ago. that in there. But my email address is smith at paris church. Paris okay. is not like the cool Paris in France. It's p e r r i s, and yes. so no com, no org. C smith as in Connor Smith at paris church. All right, Connor. Well, thanks for being with us, and uh, we'll uh, we'll have you again sometime. All right, thanks, man. Well, thanks again for joining us for this episode of Church Media HQ. I want to give one more plug, at least on this episode, for our Christmas media kit. And you can get that at churchmediahq.com 
slash Christmas. That's churchmediahq.com slash Christmas. And I do want to remind you once again, be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to podcasts. Also want to give a special shout out for our YouTube channel. You can subscribe to the Must Increase YouTube channel at youtube.com slash must increase. If you do that, you're going to get every video version of Church Media HQ, but you're also going to get every episode of the other show on the Must Increase Network, Connection Culture. So if you subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash must increase, you will get all episodes of both of our shows. So I do hope that you'll take a moment to subscribe on YouTube specifically right now. Well, as I mentioned, Church Media HQ is a production of the Must Increase Network. And in addition to subscribing to our YouTube channel, you can visit mustincrease.com to learn all about what, uh, what we do for families and churches to increase truth and inspire hope in the lives of others using the power of media. And until next time, I want to remind your church that it's time for you to try something new. Why? Well, because it's so much better to try doing something that really could be incredible than to continue to succeed at doing something that's just average. We'll see you next time right here on Church Media HQ. Thank you.